0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to In the Know with Cat Bobino. Today, my extra, extra special guest is Dr. Latanya. Kilpatrick Liverman, I had to look. And she is the Worldwide Director of Research and Innovation of Oral Care and Global Devices. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. And so as we were talking about a little bit earlier, that is a very long title. What exactly does that mean?
1: So I should say that I I work for Colgate Palmolive Company. Um, and as you all probably know, it's a consumer products company. Hopefully you use our tooth, toothpaste and oral care products and some of our personal care and we sell um, pet food um, um, via Hills. So hmm. I, that, that title means that I lead a team of scientists and researchers in our very basic research department and we develop technologies for oral care applications So we spend a lot of time trying to understand how our technologies function, how they help people improve on their oral care through the mode of action, and we develop methods so that we can screen technologies to improve um, their functionality. So research and innovation is all about doing the research to understand, um, but a product is not um, valuable unless people, um, people value using it. It delivers something that's a value to someone else. And that's where the innovation comes in, delivering
0: the value. Yeah. Well, as someone who does use Colgate, um, with the innovation, is it changing, let's say, what the toothpaste is aiming for? You know, I know a lot of it is plaque and cleaning our teeth, but is the innovation part like we want to continue to eat away at the bacteria or whatever the case may be?
1: so we listen a lot to what consumers tell us right so innovation comes in a number of different ways it comes in the form of communicating communicating why you should use the product what 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 attributes is it is it providing you it it comes in the flavor that people use i think but what we do is all about to your point performance and so we try to make it easier for people to remove that plaque on their teeth. We try to make it so once you remove it, that the biofilm that comes back is a healthy biofilm versus a pathogenic biofilm. We try to make it easier for you to clean all your surfaces so that, you know, some people, some of the reasons why people might get a cavity, not only is it because you're eating the sugars, it's because you, maybe you're not effectively moving the plaque. And we try to make those ingredients that help, um, that help drive the benefit um, reside in your mouth for a longer period of time. And we also educate. So, so, so the research part is trying to help the consumer understand why it's important. To maintain mm. adequate oral um, care, good oral care. A lot of people do not appreciate how connected having a good um, good oral health is to overall systemic health. And mm-hmm. I'll just you know I can't I can't not relate it to this COVID outbreak and how people that had bad oral health really were more susceptible to the negative attributes of COVID than people that had a, a healthier mouth. So we are now really trying to um, understand and educate consumers on the importance of oral health.
0: Wow. Okay. I, I got all so much out of what you just <laughs> said. And I think one of the biggest things is, or not one of the biggest things, COVID is definitely big, but I want to start with oral health, you know, because when we think about, brushing our teeth, there are some people who it's like, that's just what I'm going to do, but they forget the tongue and other ap- attributes of actual oral care. So if you can, what do you feel like, <laughs> what do you feel like is the uh, main things that we should be looking for when it's oral care?
1: Yeah. So we often, to your point, only think about brushing, right? And we only think about brushing your teeth, but you're your teeth are important. They're the what we call the non-shedding part of the mouth. So that's why plaque and biofilm kind of stay on there because your soft tissue does turn over like your skin. You slough it off, just like you slough your skin off. But it's important to clean your whole mouth. So we talk about our whole mouth. We talk about the outer surfaces of our teeth, the inner surfaces of our teeth. We brush the tongue um, for the formal odor. A lot of people kind of know that. Some people actually gargle to kind mm-hmm. of make sure the throat area may, stays clean and, mm-hmm. and and rinsing does help and flossing which 20 or 30% of Americans only do is is critical because food gets food and plaque gets stuck in between your teeth and your all your surfaces are not effectively cleaned unless you floss So I'll just go one step further that when you leave the plaque on your teeth, because you're not adequately removing it, um, you start a whole inflammatory process. The bacteria start feeding off of the things from your from your saliva, from from your from your what we call usual curricular fluid and it starts releasing toxins. And those toxins that it releases started an inflammatory process. And so when we we, uh, recall our grandparents and maybe for some, our parents, they have lost some of their teeth. You do not have to lose your teeth. Your teeth can be with you for life. And a lot of the reasons why they, some of the reasons why they've lost their teeth is something called periodontal disease where you Mm -hmm. actually start destroying your bone structure, your teeth get loosened and your your tooth just kind of falls out. And it's it's that path that you become more susceptible to some of those inflammatory overall health kind of conditions that I was talking about. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, and um, I just wanna put this reminder out. There's gonna be people listening to this as a podcast later on, but currently we are live on Facebook and YouTube. So you can put comments and questions in the chat. Right now we got a couple from Renee who started off with interesting, but when you were talking about COVID and you know, people with not so great oral care, there's a bunch of yuck mouths running around basically. <laughs> but she she does have a question is how does gut health play into bacteria of the mouth? Okay, so so we know there's a
1: crosstalk between um, the gut microbiome and the oral microbiome, the gut microbiome and the blood brain um, barrier. Um, I can't talk um, directly to how what's going on in the gut affects what goes on in the mouth. But what I can say is that there's a, there's a, a, a cycle called the nitrate reducing cycle that depends on the microbiome on your tongue and how that microbiome digests or metabolizes nitrates into nitrites that affect your blood pressure and I know through swallowing and there is that kind of connection between the gut and the, and the but I'm not as well versed in that Renee so sorry
0: <laughs> no it's okay I think um, one of the things Renee might be referring to is you know talking about yuck mouse earlier people who don't have that of oral care. For um, malodor. Yeah. And then you have (laughs) the the, the stomach, the stomach. You have that, but then also what you're eating, if you're bad, bad oral care, that, that, that bacteria that's growing in your mouth and things like that is being ingested as well. It It is. Um, it's, it's interesting because they are finding
1: that these microbes that are resident, are known to be in the mouth, that they are found in other parts of the body. Except the route that they are taking, very few people are suggesting it's through through the swallowing route. A lot of times they're suggesting it's through translocation, through um, that gingival curvicular fluid, the, uh, through, the, through the gingival tissues, through ep- epithelial breakdown of the gingival tissue, so it gets in that pathway, then it goes into the blood that way to get to different parts of the body. So it's less through swallowing and it's more through some um, degradation of the gingival tissue, um, which has been one mode of action for how that, that
0: bacteria gets transported. Yeah. Right. So to break that down, you think of the tissues in your mouth, your ging- think of gingivitis, but basically that tissue in your mouth is thin So then there's bacteria and things that cross that membrane and, Mm -hmm. you know, we have stuff in our mouths or things we're eating or bacteria that's growing that's crossing that membrane and getting into the blood system. So instead of you swallowing it, it's actually going through your blood and going throughout your whole body and not just your gut.
1: Yeah, because, um, and I also, I just want to emphasize that bacteria is not bad. like -hmm. you don't want to have a 100% clean mouth, it's it's making sure you have a healthy, balanced amount of bacteria. And the reason why I say you don't want to have a 100% clean mouth is because the bacteria takes up geographical space in your mouth. And if you didn't have the bacteria, you also have viruses in your mouth, you have fungi mm-hmm. in your mouth, you have all kinds of microorganisms in your mouth, and you're trying to keep them all in, in balance. And it it's when it gets out of balance that you have all these kind of negative the negative impact of, of what happens. So the key is first twice a day floss just so that you're removing the bacteria so that you don't get a mature bacteria which tends to be out of balance.
0: Yeah. Right, it's kind of like we have a symbiotic relationship with yeah. certain bacteria and viruses that have been with us down to our mitochondrial DNA, basically. It's been there since, whatever you want to believe, either we miraculously came on this earth or we grew from another creature. Whatever you believe, we've had that symbiotic relationship that amount of time. So we want to make sure we keep a good relationship with what's in our bodies. Because either if you go too far left or too far right, you're going to mess up. You're going to have a problem. Too yeah. clean and too, too dirty, yeah. you're going to have yeah. a problem.
1: One thing, though, I, I do want to go back to the swallowing. Because the one thing that does happen through, I would say, through that swallowing process is all the respiratory viruses, mm. um, all the pneumonians of the world. <clears throat> that is the path for how that happens. It all starts in the mouth. So, if you have to go to the hospital and you have surgery, you are you are more susceptible to this hospital acquired pneumonia if you don't maintain um a clean oral health because they have and then definitely if you've had had to have something to go down your throat either to help you breathe or for whatever reason, you are pushing the bacteria from their mouth down into the into those passages. So so that is a route for for disease for those lung and respiratory diseases. Yeah.
0: So that brings me back to what you had mentioned earlier, which was the COVID, you know, and people who don't have the best oral care. Are you saying the people who didn't have the best oral care are the ones who maybe yeah. were the ones you see in the hospital because they've gotten that real negative side effect. Yeah.
1: So what they correlated is those people with periodontal disease. So those people that had inflamed gums and their inflammation was so bad, their bone tissue was becoming degraded. So that means you basically have periodontal disease and you can't reverse the condition. You have a certain level of pocket death. They found the people that had periodontal disease were more likely to die when the initial COVID, that initial variant came out than mm-hmm. people that did not have periodontal disease. So when I say bad oral health, it was down to you had periodontal disease and they weren't sure if that was because COVID is also an inflammatory kind. It, the virus sparked an, a cytokine storm, a very in, inflammatory pathway. And that's what happens for periodontal disease too. You have a, an inflammation pathway that's being initiated. And so they're not sure why, but there was definitely a strong correlation um, there. Hmm.
0: <clears throat> Tavari said that's great information, and it is because, yeah, I don't think people realized um, the importance of wearing a mask and trying not to catch it, as well as brushing your teeth and keeping your mouth mm-hmm. clean. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, oops, it was a definitely a virus that we were seeing that was a respiratory virus, so we're catching mm-hmm. it. Because all the receptors are
1: like in your na- mouth and your nose. Those ACE two receptors. That's that's where. Well, they're everywhere, but.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> your mouth. And nose well,
0: it's a funny. direct pathway into the body. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people think about that. But eyes, mm-hmm. mouth, ears, nose, and throat. Not ears. Mm-hmm. Nose, throat, eyes, eyes nose. have mm-hmm. such a just a straight path into the body, mm-hmm. the human body. Um,
1: I'm going to do my other public. M- public health message (laughs) say those that have those those that are diabetic those that have cardiovascular disease Mm -hmm. uh definitely those that are diabetic it's much harder to treat your diabetes if you have periodontal disease and it's much harder to treat Mm -hmm. your periodontal disease if you have diabetes so so yeah so if you if you are diabetic you need to pay even more um, attention to maintaining good oral, good oral health because there there's there's a there's a now known link between the two.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. I this is <laughs> this is all new to me. This is amazing. I did not know that. You know, and definitely in our culture, we have a problem with diabetes and high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if African Americans have a high degree of periodontal disease. But I definitely no diabetes and mm-hmm. um, it, it all starts kind of with what we eat and mm-hmm. what we are putting into our bodies and i mean mm-hmm. i could go on about that going all the way to slavery and we're given the mm-hmm. junk and mm-hmm. our bodies have developed a way to keeping salt in because of all the mm-hmm. salt that they had to eat mm-hmm. <sighs> but mm-hmm. we have to get back to eating a more natural better for us diet it's very difficult though in america so mm-hmm. Like America, right? I don't even feel I know America has a horrible diet,
1: mm-hmm. horrible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And 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 we have a lot of food deserts where we're not even getting access to those foods that would be healthy for us. I I think our our parents. I remember my grandmother because she was my grandfather was a farmer, so my, my parents, my dad grew up on a farm. But I remember my grandmother's so always we had a green. So uh-huh. always we had collard greens, turnip greens, some kind of green she had on that dinner table. Right. But for her, you know, she cooked greens in water, like lots of water and they boiled all day. And it's like, yeah, well, now we know she boiled all the, the, the nutrients, all the nutrients out, of out of those greens. <laughs> However, they were smart. She drank that liquor. So it's like we. I dumped it down the drain, but they knew that (laughs) there was nutrients in there and, and, and she, she drank them. So I think unbeknownst, they, there's a, there was a lot of even, you know, earlier from our grandparents, they ate much better. Fast Mm -hmm. food came along and there were like no nutrients in fast food. So (laughs) we were in a good, a better
0: spot than now. Now we are. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, my mom calls it the pot liquor yeah um, the pot liquor yeah Yeah, she she definitely she was like oh you know i'm feeling well cook some cook some greens some kales or something mm-hmm. and, you know drink that pot liquor mm-hmm. which i was like it's nasty <laughs> you know, i get the point i get what you're saying but that is so nasty it's on the level I totally of agree. castor oil or, you know it's just <laughs> gross and it's just like okay i i, I know what you're saying I know what you're saying is true and in, but I just it's so difficult. It's so difficult. <laughs> I'd rather have a kale salad. Let me just yeah. eat the salad version of yeah. this because I don't want the pollock.
1: Yeah. My my friend from the Caribbean, she she taught me how to do it with less less liquid and she just kind of flavored it with garlic and stuff. So I, I'm trying to do it her way, although I I, I burn it half the time. So <laughs> <laughs> well.
0: After this, I'm gonna eat that recipe. One, <laughs> two. I usually do it with um, chicken broth instead of water, mm-hmm. and then I don't cook it as long. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm probably still ripping a lot of nutrients out of it. But mm-hmm. I still I like it that way. I'm trying to, and I'm trying to do better. I'm trying mm-hmm. to eat better, more fruits, more mm-hmm. vegetables, less meat. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's very difficult, especially some of the people you might be around whether it's family or friends and they're like let's go get a burger let's go get mm-hmm. pizza let's go mm-hmm. get you know
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: so quick and it's so easy, it's easy. to do
1: yeah agreed
0: <laughs> yeah well yeah we we could talk about that i'm sure a lot but i want to give back to you and your work um because i think it's very important what you said and and having an understanding of periodontal disease and how it is attached to diabetes. And you have to be mindful of that, you know? And I don't think people realize how important oral health is. I mean, I, I have a hard time getting my one-year-old to brush his teeth, but I'm like, you, you know, who needs a brush You have, to, you I need have
1: to get in there, yeah. yeah. As the first, the first, um, when the first tooth erupts, because that's when the, everything starts adhering to a surface. That's when you got to get in there. I remember my two and three year olds. So I have three girls now, much adults, basically. But when they were two or three, I remember battling, like holding them. You got to brush your teeth. (laughs) Because they don't know. I mean, they're the kids. We want them to to know how to brush their teeth when they're two or three because they so want to do it. I can do it myself. I do it myself. (laughs) Right. but you know they 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 can't because it's harder it's hard for them to kind of get every surface off. So I'll do my my other public uh, public service announcement <laughs> for kids. You know, we as we as caregivers for kids are it's very we we define how their oral microbiome is. We any caregiver so it's not always the mom but it's I'll just call it the caregiver so they're born with a given a, a certain a certain diversity of microbes in their mouth depending on whether they were vaginally birthed or cesarean birth but mm-hmm. it is what it is right mm-hmm. between zero and like two. It is changing. It is constantly changing. It's constantly adapting because it's a part of the immune function. And it's helping the kid kind of battle all these. But by two, it starts leveling off, and it's like it doesn't. It still changes, but the exponential change happens like between zero and two and three. So, so it's very important when they are that young that you keep their mouths clean and it's it doesn't matter that they're losing their baby teeth because when their permanent teeth come in that microbiome that was on that baby tooth that caused the cav- cavity is going to be on that permanent tooth that's going to mm. give them more trouble so the, fo- the the best thing is to keep them clean keep them clean we have a product and i'm going to put a shout out that you know after I, I think it's no fluoride. After two, even at one, I think it's okay. There's a Tom's of Maine product. It's called sensitive Sensitive relief. It has this ingredient called arginine in it. Mm-hmm. Arginine is in your breast milk. Arginine is in your saliva. Arginine is amino acid. But arginine is metabolized by bacteria. And it creates a very basic pH that helps facilitate a healthy bu- microbiome, especially for those that are like candy. And so we, I'm saying this, the company is not, I'm saying this based on studies that we've done outside the U.S. and that we sell outside the U.S. That that's a good product for kids to help manage and for moms and caregivers to help manage that microbiome, to
0: have it. That's good good. to know because, yes, I have a very active one and a half year old who. Mm -hmm. I will be honest, doesn't get his teeth brushed every night or uh, because he is running. And <laughs> I mm-hmm. try to try to brush it together. I'm like, mommy's mm-hmm. brushing her teeth. Mm-hmm. You brush your teeth. We're going to mm-hmm. brush our teeth together. Mm-hmm. But he just wants to eat the toothpaste and not really mm-hmm. brush his teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I will take any. Suggestions or help on how do I just have to like corral him, like put him in a chokehold kind of, and just get in there. You, you, <laughs> just... you can
1: put him in a chokehold and get in there. We also have a, I think we sell it in the U.S. I gotta get what it's called. It's we call it magic. It's a connected magic. toothbrush. Uh, and older kids kind of appreciate it because it's like gamified, so they can look in the in a look in the mirror, look in the app, and they're actually they they're in this kind of disguise thing as they're brushing their teeth and they get kind of points for doing a good job. So I can give you the information um, about magic, um, the magic toothbrush. So some kids, because it's so different, they kind of are more willing to kind of, at least in the beginning, um, brush better, but yeah, the chokehold works. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I had all three of them were in chokeholds. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. He, and I tried what you do. Yeah, let's do it together. You go first, and then I'll go with you. And then up oh, after you're done, let me just you know let me just see how well you've done. I can let me just help whatever it, it, it after, at, after, you know, doing that a couple of times, they get the, they get what's going on and they become resistant again. And <laughs> so.
0: right, right, right. I'm just like, <laughs> I'd be like, can mommy do it? And, uh-uh. and he runs yeah. away. And I'm just like, Oh, okay, yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I fight. Sometimes I give it up. Yeah, sometimes like, you, know, you just get tired. Won. I know. So
1: <laughs> to your point about innovate, we know this and we're trying <laughs> to figure out how to help parents do it better. Cause it's so important. And we we just, um, I had a, I had a colleague and, and even though we know this, she was, she was, you know, going through the same thing and her kid, it's like all his molars had cavities and I'm like, but you know this. And she's like, yeah, it's just hard. I'm like, I know. <laughs> it is.
0: It's very, very difficult sometimes. Yeah. Not all kids, yeah. but some kids. Yeah. But is there a, a mouthwash that they can drink that would clean their teeth?
1: So there's not a mouthwash that they can drink. And the key, unfortunately, with rinses, because that's what we've heard, too. Oh, can I just and kids will say, oh, can I just get a rinse? And mm-hmm. all I have to do is, you know, rinse and, you know, shake it up, shake it up and spit. Unfortunately, got to remove that plaque. And the best way mm-hmm. to remove the plaque is mechanically and the rinses don't remove the
0: plaque so the does it loosen are, it up like is it better to rinse first some, then brush or does it matter some
1: rinses that's what people so i, I they're there are two schools <laughs> of thought some people say brush and then rinse some people say rinse and then brush uh, but brushing is always there so yeah um are there are there toothpaste to loosen the plaque there are toothpaste that that make the plaque less adherent, and so Mm. you get less plaque on your teeth. So if you... So I'll promote our product. If you use our Colgate Total, the Colgate Total products make it so that there's less plaque buildup on the tooth. So why Colgate Total? So it's basically (laughs) any of the antibacterials. They all in the US... So I can say this. They all in the US have the same active, but we... Have formulated it the best. <laughs> self-promote, clothing, so that it works right. very, very well. So those, if you if you use those products, there's less adherence of the of the bacteria on the teeth, but you still have to brush. You still have to
0: brush. Okay, and so I'm looking back at your title, which the global devices, and one of the things you said was right: the toothbrush that's in other countries. Are there other things that's in con- other countries that we don't have? Here in America? Yeah, so it's
1: mainly the t- so there are toothbrushes that are in other countries. There there are pastes that are in other countries too. So the, the anti-cavity paste that I talked about, um, it's made with an in- ingredient that we're now looking at in the U.S. to kind of get it get it approved. It's more the regulatory processes are different. Um, um, so certain um, countries have a shorter path so certain countries don't consider certain actives as drugs and so you can get them through kind of faster but so so we have that anti-cavity product that's in all of the world every everywhere but the u.s we uh have some most everything else we have another kind of antibacterial product that is everywhere but the u.s again that's just because the u.s has some actives that are Accepted here that we didn't we don't have to go through as long as a regulatory um, process, um, but most everything else is all geared toward regional likes. So yeah. flavors and form are adapted to regional likes, um, and there's there are abrasives in toothpaste. Americans tend not to like calcium carbonate based abrasive systems. They like silica abrasive systems. They like that aesthetic. So most of the U.S. has silica abrasive systems just because Americans prefer that. Prefer, so. yeah.
0: No, I get it. <laughs> just last week on the podcast, I had uh, the Beauty Brains, which are two um, chemist, cosmetic chemists. And so they worked in hair products, makeup, stuff like that. And we were having that same conversation where, like, in different countries, it's different smells that they really like, or different textures that they really like that Americans don't, or vice versa. And you have to go by region to see what they're what they're willing to use and or what they like, basically.
1: Yeah, especially flavors, it's 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 unreal that we are about we're a mint con, con, country we're. It's all into mint, right? We don't even think about anything but mint. But in other countries, right. they are so experimental when it comes to flavors. It's 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 interesting. Yeah. Some of the flavors that like our flavors, when they taste, they they have to get their taste buds in in the realm of that region. Um, right? because what we might say is, oh, this is awful. <laughs> just loves it so
0: <laughs> yeah that that reminds me of this tv show i like on netflix called flavorful origins and it's uh it's all throughout china it's all these different foods and like today i was watching it and it's something i could watch on repeat but anyway mm-hmm. it was like oh this soup that they really like to have in the morning has pig's blood and intestines and something like that and i was like <laughs> for breakfast, like, like first of all, pig blood mm-hmm. in general, but for breakfast, <laughs> but yeah, different folks, different, different flavors po- for different dip- folks, yep. you know. Exactly, I can't be mad at it.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: The only <laughs> thing is, I will try things. Mm-hmm. I am a trier. I, you know, as long as it doesn't look like its original form, I mm-hmm. eat. You know, I'm not really big on fish that still have the head on it or stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I will try things. We're like, hey, mm-hmm. that's
1: Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah, you cool. know, you never know. <laughs> you never know.
0: You never know because, you know, <laughs> I don't mind mint, but I don't mind other flavors, too. As long as my mm-hmm. teeth are clean, that's mm-hmm. all that matters mm-hmm. to me. I've even done the baking soda, you mm-hmm. know, just like clean it mm-hmm. with baking soda and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's amazing,
1: it. too, because um, how people people will see a color. Right. And they equate a color to a flavor. And they mm. get so fooled. I mean, we do we do this jelly <laughs> jelly bean game, right? So you, yeah, think of yellow jelly bean, you think of lemon, and it just kind of floors you when you taste something totally different than the lemon that you're expecting from that yellow jelly bean. Yeah, so the yeah, same when with it's popcorn. Tooth- yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> colors of toothpaste do the same thing. They people are expecting one thing, and uh, when they see a certain color, yeah. huh? So French is the same. They're expecting something. It's interesting. Yeah, I I was
0: just thinking about like all the toothpastes I've ever had. A majority of toothpaste is white.
1: White. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess is that there's some there's
1: things? some blues and some yeah greens yeah, and there's, and there's then some you mixes m- like and white and teal. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think I ever paid attention to what flavor it was because mm-hmm. I automatically knew. It was same flavor I, I'm used to anyway. It's it probably me.
1: <laughs> Do you remember there was one brand? Oh my god! I want to call it. It it was the, it was red and it was cinnamon flavored. Mm-hmm. I forgot the name of the brand, but it was yes. very strong cinnamon um, with red.
0: <laughs> yes, kind of like
1: the chewing big gum. Red
0: gum, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. But there was yes. a, there was close close up. I know in in. Uh, but I close up was red, but I there was another one, I think so. Anyway.
0: And I tried it. I tried it. And I think mm-hmm. I was like, this is spicy. You know, mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm. this cinnamon is mm-hmm. kind of it's got a bite to it. So it <laughs> wasn't terrible, but it wasn't for me either because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. like spicy. Mm-hmm. And then like <laughs> with mouthwash, like I feel like my mom still does the brown one. The brown Listerine? No, Lister, like, the
1: Listerine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: like it cleans well. And I'm like, I feel like the blue one cleans just as well <laughs> and doesn't burn the <laughs> brown one does.
1: Yeah. And now, so we've gone, our, ours is a, another total. Ours is, doesn't burn at all. So it's interesting because people are conditioned to expect mm-hmm. the burn, right? And and that's basically the commercial, expect the burn. But you don't need the burn. <laughs> To work. I, and I tried the to tell my mom that, doing so. yeah, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I try to tell my mom that she still buys the brown one, which I'm just like, that's all you. I want no parts of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so she's she believes that the burn, the more the burn, the better the product, right?
0: <laughs> right, and I'm like, no, ma'am. Um, a okay, I don't want any parts of that mm-hmm. whatsoever. But whoo, you have done okay. We've talked a lot about that. I want to talk about mm-hmm. you. So mm. you have your Ph.D. in chemistry. Can mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Like, was it always your idea to go to college for chemistry or did you change your mind along the way?
1: You know, I didn't know anything else. So I was one of these people that in high school, like my favorite teacher. So I had two teachers that I liked. Um, one, I people were like, why do you, I still remember the man's name. His name was Mr. I remember both of their names. Mr. Saunders was my math teacher. Mr. McKinney was my chemistry teacher. So Mr. McKinney was one of these teachers that made the class fun, made it easy to learn, was always blowing up stuff, bringing <laughs> experiments in the classroom to explain the concept and just getting you all excited about it chemistry and Mr. Saunders was almost the opposite. He was very rigid, very short, small man, but you did <laughs> not come to his class without your homework done, or he would make you go to the board and embarrass you to tell you to do the problem on the board so that he basically knew that you knew what you were doing. So, because I think you need a math for chemistry and uh-huh. Mr. McKinney made chemistry so fun. Um, and my, my dad major was chemistry, I didn't know anything else. So I was like, okay, I'm going to school and I'm gonna major in chemistry. I never thought I was gonna get a PhD in chemistry. My whole thing was, oh, I'll just be a doctor. I'm gonna you know, major in chemistry and I'm just gonna to go to med school. I'm gonna be pre-med. Right. And I knew that I wasn't serious about pre-med when I got the MCAT application. I didn't even, I read the application and I was like, oh, you want me to do all this? And I mm-hmm. said, it made me start, because one of the questions I think was, why do you want to be a doctor? Do you do do an essay about, you know, what, what I said, you know, that's time consuming. And I guess I don't really want to be a doctor that bad. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so I, I talked to my advisor and he says, oh, so if you're not going to go this route, you don't wanna just graduate because you you won't you have a dead end job and you you really won't have a career mm-hmm. so why don't you go to grad school so so that's what I did I didn't know anything else so i was I was basically advised to go through this whole uh pathway through from from undergrad to grad, and I even picked the grad school because it was a joke. <laughs> it, I wasn't really being <laughs> serious about it. I, I went to school at Hampton. I wanted to go home. I'm from North Carolina. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go. I applied to North Carolina State. And I I applied to um, Carolina. I'm like, I'm just going home after school. But as a mm-hmm. joke, I had a very good friend that uh, he went to Princeton as, a, as an undergrad. And I'm like, oh, he got in Princeton. Let's just see if I can get in Princeton. <laughs> so I just applied it. It's like a fluke. And I got in and I said, I don't want to. And then I. I and I, everybody was yeah.
0: like, you got to go.
1: Yeah, I turned, I actually turned them down. And this okay. same professor that told me that I should go to graduate school, his name was Dr. Wood. He was like, you must have knocked your head up against the wall <laughs> and you just are delirious right now. Right. He's mm-hmm. like, what is what is going? And he explained. He He, he sat me down. He explained the importance. Why should go to Princeton more in terms of money? You know, you want to work for a professor that after so so many years you don't have to teach. He we went through the whole thing, the name recognition, everything. Uh-huh. So I had to call. I had I actually had to call the dean and say, look, you're gonna get a rejection from me, just ignore the rejection and I I <laughs> I accept. So that's how I ended up where I was. I I I I the group that I worked in at Princeton Newt, very, very um, family-oriented um, co- co- coaching-like professor who who believed in letting you go. So he wasn't one of these guys that was all, you know, over your shoulder kind of mm-hmm. pushing you along. He very much depended on the people in his lab to 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 be your teacher, but he would be your guide. So he was your guide; they were your teachers. And he let you fail all the time, but he was, oh, he thought that was the learning process. It, it ended up being, yeah, it ended up truly being a learning process. But, you know, that, after that, then I met my husband during, during that stint. And and that's how I stayed in New Jersey. And I picked a company that was in New Jersey because he wasn't leaving. And that's where I stayed. So I've been with
0: Colgate uh, for the last 30 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's amazing. And it's, <laughs> it, it's something that I think I talk about quite a bit, actually, on the podcast, especially when I'm talking to a person of color who has a PhD in science. It's like I went into science and I thought I'd be a doctor because that's kind of what a lot of people think. You know, you go into science, you, get, you go to science to be a doctor. We don't even cause think about research at that point. It's, you know... This is what you need to be a pre-med. So this is the direction you're going to go. Or mm-hmm. even a veterinarian, but mm-hmm. not necessarily a researcher. But mm-hmm. then either you get into research or someone pushes you towards research. And you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, this this mm-hmm. is something else I can do. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting, And I'm going to ask you this. Why do you think that is? Why is research not on the forefront when it comes to science? Like when we say science, a lot of people think being a medical doctor or a veterinarian or something like that, but not researcher.
1: I think for me, it's who I saw, like my the model who was in my community that I could see what they were doing. And I was, there were no researchers. There was no researchers that I was exposed to. So it was a lawyer, a dentist, or a doctor, or you were your businessman, right? You had your own business. You were a barber or a beautician, or you know. I knew no researchers, mm-hmm. right? Right, and so I I only got exposed to the research in as an undergraduate because I think the government we had this program called MARC. I think that was called mm-hmm. Minority Minority Access to Research Careers, and one of Ooh. my professors at Hampton. She was in charge of the Mark program, and so I got in there not because I liked research. They paid you, they paid right. you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can get some of my um some extra money every uh, each month if I go into this Mark. So I'm kind of cheap. So I said, oh, that, that's what <laughs> I have to. Do. It's, a, it's, a, it's easy money. So that's how I got exposed to research was through through this Mark program, and you know. They sent you off for a semester and I ended up at um, Brookhaven National Lab, which was a true, like a half a semester of really doing research. I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. But I think the other thing, Kat, and I see it now, there are other careers. So in my generation, all I knew was chemistry, right? And and everyone was saying, don't do biology. Don't do biology. (laughs) That's a dead end path. Don't do biology. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Chemistry hasn't changed. Chemistry has basically stayed the same for the past 30 plus years. It's a biology that has really picked up. And the things that people are learning if you go in um, the biology area, first of all, if you go into computational ge- biology mm. with all the omics, you you will have a job right. everywhere because that's where everybody's mm-hmm. looking. Bioinformaticians, they're like data scientists if you don't even want to do a... A um, a biology just want to do do math and data data science. you can't find enough of them so in any anyone that's looking for a career right now stick with computational stuff computational biology math all those areas that's all the algorithm development all the predictive bias Mm -hmm. all math right and no one's shared this with me because the math part was there when i was growing up Now I'm looking at hidden figures and I see where the math comes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But nobody nobody exposes, I think, as a kid, especially in our community, we don't see it. And I think that's that's why. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, that's that's the reason I do the podcast is to highlight all these different careers that's out there. And you know, and you're saying chemistry doesn't change, but I met a young lady who is a I know it's in chemistry, but it's marine chemistry.
1: Mm-hmm. And she mm.
0: does research on marine water and chemistry and how it's changing and you know, climate, all that stuff. for right, the sustainability
1: Which, and climate change. Yeah. yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay.
1: What when I said not changing, I mean I guess I should say it differently. Like the tenets of chemistry, we understand. Like the how we understand how bond formation and breaking and energy, bond energy and all that we, that, we still understand. I think what we don't, for the biology part, what we didn't appreciate, so this is, I was sitting with someone at lunch today and he was doing something called single cell RNA um, sequencing. And that's, mm. that's like a new, a new area in biology. And I was like, Ooh, what do what does that mean? What are you, what are you doing? So, so he, he's, I said, break it down. Let me try Let me understand what, what that means. So he says, okay, as a biologist, we used to think of cells as a single cell. Like if you say my gingival cells, you just think they're gingival cells. Right, He says, with cancer and all the techniques to understand cancer, we now know that a gingival cell, you might have 10 different types of gingival cells, all doing all different things. And if you look at the epidermal cells all in your mouth, you might have 10 or 20 different cells on your mucosa versus your palate versus your gingiva versus your throat. They're called the same thing. But there are different types of cells doing different things to provide a benefit. And I think the awareness is growing in biology, things that we just still don't understand and still are trying to figure out that I think is different from chemistry. So that, I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's that still, we're still learning we're, st- we're still learning things in biology. And yes, we're still learning things in chemistry, but the, the amount of what we're learning is much different, I think.
0: <laughs> oh, I get that. I definitely can understand that. Yeah, there's much more application with biology and the integration of biology and tech has been mm-hmm. really, oh, yeah. really big. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I had a perfect, my nephew went to Texas Southern And Mm -hmm. I went out there for graduation. I met a professor and I had my degree in biology and he was trying to convince me to come there to get, I think, a master's in math to Mm -hmm. do like computational biology. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. like... Absolutely not. You like, be money, You'll be
1: in the money, cat. You'll be in the money.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> I missed that opportunity, but I mean, I think for me it was more so. I was like, I don't want to sit in front of a computer all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to yeah. do things with my hands mm-hmm. and move. Like, I don't want mm-hmm. to always take somebody else's information and always mm-hmm. be on a computer. So, that's but yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that is still now. You jump. I think he graduated about eight years ago. And you jump now and I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, now I see everybody doing (laughs) it. (laughs) I guess maybe I could have done it. You know, (laughs) and then working from home virtually for two years, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. well, I was in front of a computer anyway. So I guess I could have done that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just now I think people are figuring out how to how to go through all this data and make sense of it and predict predict um, things and so it's really it's it's the it's the new and new new flavor of the month I guess yeah, yeah.
0: that's okay that is a young person's game it's <laughs> <That's> fine <laughs> mm-hmm. y'all do that and I will highlight you and the work you do that's that's what I like to do I, I- I'm yeah. not going to do that.
1: <laughs> I think I think for the for the young people that will see the podcast, I I still would say, if you don't know what you want to do, that's fine. Um, uh-huh. It's still something to explore. But don't don't not um, because you don't know what you do. Don't not stop taking science courses and math courses because as soon as you stop taking science courses and math courses, you kind of limit yourself to what to what you can do you might have to go back and relearn so if you're still in high school if you're still in middle school there they might be the tough classes but there's opportunity there's opportunity in continuing to take them yeah
0: yeah don't i would say don't be afraid to take a science class that you know nothing about exactly like, Geology. I wish I had taken geology classes because now mm-hmm. as a grown person and the geologists I've met and like don't I've done walking tours. I'm like, oh, like I have walked past this a million times and didn't realize this is what it was. Mm-hmm. But you know, and it's it's amazing because I was just open minded to learn something about geology. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a class; it was mm-hmm. just people I met. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, don't be afraid to just take that off brand class. And we're
1: always learning to what you just said. Now nowadays, because of the YouTubes and people doing all these kind of this is what you this is how to understand topic A, B, or C. We're always we're always learning. So learning doesn't stop after school. We're always learning.
0: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I am if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know, you gotta be open-minded to learning something new or learning something about someone else. I mean, exactly. I'm always learning, always. Exactly, exactly. Well, we are, we're getting down to the wire, you know, it's been a great Mm -hmm. conversation. So I have two more questions for you. So the first question Mm -hmm. is, you know, what do you see the next five years or so? What do you see for the future? You can say it about chemistry, about yourself or about Colgate. And oil, but like in the next five years, what do you see happening?
1: So I see a lot more digital mm. access, like people, like digital and buying things differently. So I'll go about how I think life will change. I think COVID has sped up a process where the way we meet and communicate and interact with each other, with has forever changed Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think it has even more flattened the world meaning that you know we used to travel to have meetings and to make business deals and to go to conferences whatever I think there's still value in going to conferences um, to network but I think the of, of of you know of connecting across borders is forever changed right now because of this virtual and digital access. I think the way we buy things has forever changed because Mm -hmm. of this ability to to order things online and get them the next day.
0: The very next day, yes. (laughs) order the food
1: at any restaurant now that you basically want and get your food whenever. I mean, when my daughter told me at her school she's doing um, DoorDash, for lunch. I'm like, really? Uh, so, I mean, Access the cafeteria is just different. How we pay for things. I think money is, I think currency is kind of going away and people mm-hmm. are paying with cards and don't really have a lot of free cash, you know, and change and, you know, running out of coins during COVID was just like really that the stores don't have the coins. So I think. Where I think, do they go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we're evolving into into a, a digital, this metaverse kind of space. Um, I think there'll be more of that in five years. In predicting, so I think I think with these algorithms, people are going to do a better be be able to better predict how to do medical treatments and how to prevent diseases and how to predict what you like to see on your. Aren't For your movies, it's already there. Oh, (laughs) yes. Oh, yeah. That's already happening. (laughs) happening. Data is everywhere. There's going to be more access to data and more ways of using the data.
0: That's my prediction. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I lied. I have two more questions. (laughs) The, (laughs) The next question is, if someone saw this, was interested in going down your pathway, the type of pathway that you went down with chemistry, what advice would you give them?
1: Hmm. So I think it's I think it's very important. Let's just say the path of going to graduate school. I think it's very important to pick not only what you want to work on for the next five years. I picked something that wasn't industry applicable and I just got lucky. I got lucky mm. that I got hired by a company that just wanted to hire a chemist, someone that could solve problems. I think it would be good if someone was going down this path that they chose something that they like to do, but they also, if they wanted to go into industry, some people still wanna teach, but if they wanted to go into industry, think about life after graduate school and how you would apply what you're learning in graduate school in an industrial con- context. And some schools are better suited. Some schools are better designed that they're doing mm-hmm. stuff that they know are are applied And some schools are just very basic and what you're doing would not see the light of day in, in any kind of industrial format. So just kind of know a little bit about what you want to do and think through how it's going to be applied
0: um, after you're done. Yeah. Okay. Hey Bobby, I see you. Bobby's a consummate learner too. That's what he's trying to say. Mm. But okay, as we close out, if someone wants to learn more about you, how could they learn about you?
1: I am not so good on as a, <laughs> on social media. So I don't post a lot. I I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm I'm a Voyager. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, but I, um, for LinkedIn, I, I'm, I really use it to find people to find skills. I rarely post, I don't know how people can find out. That's a very good question. I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad I found you. I know how to get in touch with her, but don't ask me because I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm
1: on on LinkedIn as Killpatrick if you want to find me. But uh other than that, there's if you Google me, I don't know what's gonna pop.
0: <laughs> well, the first thing that pops up is your stuff about you at Colgate. So and they okay. need to change very your good. title. Very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But um, thank you so much for joining me tonight, for sharing your story, for talking to us about oral care and teaching us more about oral care. I mean, definitely me, I learned a lot tonight. Mm. I mean, I appreciate everything that you've said tonight. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and thank you again for inviting me and uh, allowing me to share. And uh, um just being a part of of what you're trying to do, because I think what you're trying to do to kind of share and expose people to different um, assets of science is really powerful. So thank you.
0: Awesome. And hold on for just a second. I'm just going to say thank you to everyone who joined us tonight, all the questions and comments. I appreciate it. If you didn't get a chance to ask a question tonight, eh, too bad. You missed it. Now You can always (laughs) send me a message and I can respond or send it to, um, dr kilpatrick liverman and if she feels like responding she can yeah I <laughs> but <laughs> make sure you join me next wednesday with dr du bois and um good night everyone
1: good night everybody thanks for listening